Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Have you ever found out that something you believed in was not true? I mean, I think we've all had that moment, haven't we? Where something that we believed in, something that we thought was real, something that was true, we come to find out that it's not actually true. We've all had those moments. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I was just a little boy, and when I was a little boy, I was big into comic books. Anybody else? Please, somebody raise your hand. Okay, thank you. I was really afraid there for a minute. Um, I was big into comic books. I had, you know, lots of superhero comic books, and I had a whole bunch of Archie comic books. I don't know if you remember those or not, but um, here's the thing. Those comic books had advertisements on the back few pages. They had these advertisements, and one of those ads got my attention, It was the perfect pet. It was sea monkeys. (laughs) I mean, that ad grabbed my attention. It just looked so cool. The ad promised that it was a bowl full of happiness. You just add water and they come to life. Said they're so eager to please, they can even be trained. You'll never grow tired of watching them. They're the most affordable pet ever to bring smiles, laughter, and fun into your home. It sounded great. It sounded fascinating and fun. But the truth was a little bit different. Sea monkeys are really nothing more than this hybrid breed of brine shrimp. When you buy them, you get what looks like a little packet of dust. And and what it actually is, is the shrimp's eggs. And you put them into water. When you add them to water, something magical is, you're expecting something magical to happen. But it really doesn't. I mean, nothing really magical happens. Eventually, if, if things are just right, you might get a few that bring forth life, but they don't look like these aquatic monkey, many people living these fascinating underwater lives. They're just these strange looking amoeba like shrimp that you have to see with a magnifying glass and all they do is swim around. It was not a bowl full of happiness. Let me tell you. I'm not sure if the sea monkey creators had delusions about how wonderful and amazing these pets were or if this was just some marketing potential and and they could care less about crushing the hopes and dreams of all these comic book kids. I'm kind of guessing it was just a marketing thing. The creator of the sea monkeys was a man named Harold Von Braunhut. And he once said, he said, I think I bought like 3.2 million pages of comic book advertising per year, and it worked beautifully. 
According to a lawsuit in 2016, Sea Monkey sales were $3.4 million. If those numbers are right, that means he made about a million dollars for every comic book ad that was placed. They're not what they claim to be. And I'm still trying to get over it. (laughs) Sometimes what we believe isn't really true. And when it comes to something insignificant like sea monkeys, it's not really a big deal. But what if something way more important, something way more significant, what if something you put your hope, your belief, your faith into, and you find out that's not true? What if our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior isn't actually real? What if Jesus really isn't the Son of God, the Messiah, our Lord, and our Savior? Well, here's the thing. The evidence for Jesus, a historical person named Jesus, that evidence is essentially irrefutable. It's irrefutable. The vast majority of historical scholars all agree there was a Galilean man named Jesus who lived in the first century. And he gained reputation. He gained a reputation as a, as a miracle worker, as a healer, as a teacher. And he had this ever-growing group of people who believed in him and followed him. History doesn't question that at all. That's not debated. None of that is ever seriously challenged or questioned. But was Jesus something more than that? Was Jesus more than just an inspirational man? He claimed to be the Son of God. Even more than that, he also claimed to be God. Now, when Jesus is referred to as the Son of God, it doesn't mean that he was an actual biological offspring of God. It just means that he was God manifested in a physical form, a human. He was God in the flesh and blood. In Matthew 26, verse 63, Jesus has been arrested and he's being questioned and the high priest asks him, tell us, are you the son of God? And Jesus says, yes, as you have said. And then in John 19, 7, the Jewish leaders are giving reason to put him to death. And this is what they say in John 19, 7. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. Jesus very clearly identified himself as God. In John 10, verse 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And they tried to stone him for saying that. In John 10, it says, we're not stoning you for any good work. We're not throwing stones at you to put you to death for anything you've done. They replied, but for blasphemy. Because you, a mere man, claim to be God. In John 8, Jesus implies, Jesus implies that he knew Abraham the patriarch for their faith. Jesus kind of implies that he knows Abraham. And they're like, dude, you're not even 50 years old. How do you know him? You're not even 50. How do you, you, you don't know Abraham. And in John 8, verse 58, he says, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And when he said that, 
when he said that, they got really mad. And they were going to try to stone him for that. Because when Jesus said, I am, he was using the same words that God spoke to Moses when God called Moses in the burning bush. The same words that God used to identify himself. And now Jesus is using those words in reference to himself. Jesus was claiming to be God. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You see, history tells us that there was a Galilean man named Jesus. That's irrefutable, unquestionable. There was a Galilean man who inspired these people. He was known as a, as a healer, a miracle worker, a teacher. He was there, Jesus. History tells us, too, very clearly, that Jesus referred to himself, believed that he was God, claimed to be God. But here's the question. What does the evidence tell us? What does the evidence tell us? History says, says this about Jesus. Jesus said this about himself, but what does the evidence tell, tell us? Is it true or is it false? Because that's really the question. We're not questioning if Jesus existed. We're not questioning if Jesus claimed to be God. The question is, what does the evidence tell us? Is it true or is it false? Did you hear about the little boy taking the test at school? He was taking his test, and the teacher noticed that as he's going through the test, he keeps flipping a coin. Flip a coin, and then write the answer. Flip a coin, write the answer. So she's kind of watching. A little bit later, he's done with the test, and all of a sudden, he's flipping the coin again. And she goes, what, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just checking my answers. <laughs> flipping a coin to figure out true or false is just taking a guess at the answer. Here's the thing. We don't have to guess about what Jesus said. We don't have to guess about who Jesus said that he was. We don't have to guess if he's the Son of God, the Messiah, our Lord, and our Savior. We don't have to guess. We don't have to flip a coin, try to figure out if it's actually true or if it's false. Because we have the evidence we have the answer. We know the answer, and we know that that answer is true. And how do we know that? Because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection. The resurrection is validation of who Jesus claimed to be. It's validation for who Jesus claimed to be. Without the resurrection, we could follow Jesus. We could follow Jesus because of what he taught. I mean, it's good to love one another. It's good to serve those in need. It's good to treat people with kindness and compassion. It's good to be generous. It's good to forgive. It's good to be content and to be humble. It's good to be slow to anger. There's numerous, numerous good values and good ethics that we can learn from Jesus. And even if there was nothing more than a man from ancient history, there would be a good reason to follow Jesus' teachings. But the resurrection means even more than that. 
It means that Jesus wasn't just a man who taught good things. It means that Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be. You see, we don't follow Jesus and we don't put our faith in Jesus because his teachings were good. We don't follow Jesus and put our faith in Jesus because it gives us a good morality to live according to. We have faith in Jesus because he is God. That's why we put our faith in Jesus. And because he is God, his teachings are even more than just good. They are truth. They are truth. Our culture today tries to dismiss truth and say that truth is not absolute and it's not real. That it can change. It doesn't change because Jesus is truth. The resurrection is validation for everything Jesus said and validation for everything that Jesus did. And that includes when he died on the cross. Because of the resurrection, we know that it wasn't just a martyr's death upon the cross. We know it wasn't just the death of a good man who taught some good things. We know what that death on the cross accomplished. The resurrection is the evidence and the proof that Jesus is Lord. And because Jesus is Lord, we know that he is able to forgive our sins by taking the penalty for sin upon himself. You see, Jesus Jesus' death on the cross took the guilt and the punishment for our sins, and we are forgiven, our sin is atoned for, and we are brought into Christ. Jesus' resurrection is proof that Jesus is our salvation. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. Someone once asked this question. They said, well, what's, what's more important? Is it Jesus' death or Jesus' resurrection? Which is more important? Is it more important that Jesus died on the cross? Or is it more important that he, ro- that he rose from the grave? What's, what's more important? Well, the answer is, which wing on an airplane is most important? Both. Both. They are both equally important and both equally essential. On the cross, Jesus died and we're forgiven for our sins. And three days later, Jesus rose from the grave and left the tomb. Death was conquered. Death was defeated. Satan was defeated. And in Christ, we share in his victory. In Christ, we share in his victory. Romans 5.10 says, While we were God's enemies. When were we God's enemies? We were God's enemies when we were in our sin. Under the guilt of our sin, we are an enemy to God. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him. Through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? The death and resurrection are both right there in that verse. So is our sin. We are reconciled. Our sin is done away with. We are made right with God through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. 1 Peter 3.21 says that we've been saved by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death 
and resurrection of Jesus is our salvation. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4 says, What I received I passed on to you as of first importance. What importance? First. First importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17 says, If Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile, worthless, it says in other versions. Your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins if Christ had not been raised. If Christ had not been raised, you, your faith is worthless because you are still in your sins. You see, without the resurrection, our faith doesn't have an impact. It's useless because we're still under the judgment, the guilt, and the condemnation of our sins. Without the resurrection, there's no hope, there's no promise beyond this life. Because without the resurrection, we are still guilty for our sin. And after this life, if we're still guilty for our sin, we will get the punishment that we deserve. If we are still in our sin after this life, we will get the punishment that we deserve. But the gospel is called good news. The gospel is called good news. It's good because the gospel leads us to a cross, to a tomb, and to a risen Savior. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, looking at verse 1 through 8. You received this good news, that's the gospel, Jesus' death and resurrection. You received this good news and continue strong in it, and you're being saved by it if you continue believing what I told you. If you do not, then you've believed for nothing. I passed on to you what I received, of which is the most important, that Christ died for our sins, as the Scriptures say, that He was buried and was raised to life on the third day, as the Scriptures say, and that He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve apostles. After that... Jesus was seen by more than 500 of the believers at the same time. Most of them are still living today, but some have died. Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, he was seen by me. When Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, when Paul wrote this letter, he was testifying to the resurrection of Jesus. He said, Peter saw him after his death. After his resurrection, Peter saw him. He said that James saw him. He said all the disciples saw him. He said 500 of the followers saw him. Paul himself even saw him. He said they are all witness to it. They are all witnesses, and most of them are still living. Essentially, Paul was telling them that there were lots and lots of people, hundreds of people, credible people who saw Jesus alive. And he was telling them, they're still living. If you want to go question them and talk to them about it, go find them. Because you can talk to them about it. They saw Jesus. When Paul said some of those who saw Jesus alive are still living, that tells us how early of a record this is. The facts were so recent, they could be checked, they could be challenged. Historian James Dunn said this tradition, this belief that Jesus resurrected, he said we can be entirely confident was formulated as a tradition within months of Jesus' death. 
And experts say this. Experts say that it would take two generations before a legend could be developed strong enough to replace actual history. Here's what that means. They're saying that if you're claiming something about something that happened, it usually takes two generations for that to be strong enough to be believed if it really can't be verified. But Jesus is being talked about as being resurrected within months after it happened. There's a written record that Jesus resurrected was being testified about and accepted as truth within months of the crucifixion. For a historian, they said this is like historical gold. This is like gold. The resurrection of Jesus was not a legend. It has solid historical credibility. The last few weeks I've been speaking about some of the key moments in the Bible. The Bible is the true historical story of God. And we've been talking about it the last few weeks. And it's, it's a life-changing story. Because the Bible is a story about surrender. God calls us to place our faith in Him. To trust Him and follow Him in obedience. Even when sometimes it's a hard thing to do. To surrender to Him. But we must remember that God surrendered. God sacrificed His Son as an offering to forgive us for our sins. He is worth our trust and worth our obedience. The Bible is a story of choice. God has chosen us and He invites us to choose Him. And that one choice makes all of the difference. Choosing God is always the right choice. It's also a story of commitment. The Bible gives us the example of what a faith commitment means. We do not give in to the values and the ethics of the culture around us. We do not sacrifice our faith to fit in or avoid difficult things. It's a story of relationship. Through the Bible, we know that God is desperate to be in a relationship with us. And he will go all the way to the point of death to make that possible. And today we are reminded that ultimately... The story of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is a story about victory. It's a story about victory. The Old Testament points us to Jesus. The Gospels reveal who Jesus is. And then the New Testament teaches us how to live in Christ following Jesus. It's all about Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Death could not handle him. And the grave could not hold him. He is risen. The first witness to the resurrection was a woman with a rough and sinful past. She was the first witness and she was also the first one to proclaim the gospel. She was the first person to ever proclaim Jesus is alive. Today we celebrate Easter we celebrate Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, the one who went to the cross and died so our sins could be forgiven, the one who defeated the power of death. Did you know, I learned this this last week, I didn't realize this, but did you know that Abraham Lincoln's coffin was moved 17 different times? It was opened five times. The last time it was opened was in 1901. 
It was opened at that time because of something that happened 25 years earlier. In 1876, a man named Jen, Jim Keneally had made plans to steal Lincoln's body. He and his cohorts would steal the body and they would take it by horse-drawn wagons up into northern Indiana and hide it among the sand dunes and then eventually make a ransom demand for the body to be returned. Little did they know that a secret service agent had infiltrated the gang and the night of the theft, authorities converged and prevented the crime. Then in 1900, the monument at Lincoln's tomb was needing repaired, so as repairs were being made, for 15 months, Lincoln's remains were laid in a temporary grave nearby. Later that year, Lincoln's son, Robert, remembered the 1876 incident, and he didn't want anything like that to ever happen again, so he ordered that the coffin be placed in a cage 10 feet below ground and encased in concrete. When they made the transfer, they also decided to open the casket. They wanted to put an end to all of the rumors because there was rumors being spread that that theft had actually been successful and that Lincoln's body wasn't really there. So they wanted to open this to verify that. 23 people viewed the remains and identified them as President Lincoln. The youngest, this was shocking, the youngest was a 13-year-old boy. He died in 1963, and three days before his death, they interviewed him about that experience, and he said, I was not scared at the time, but I slept with Lincoln for the next six months. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln's casket was opened in 1901 because it was feared that his body was not there. And Jesus' tomb was opened to prove that he was not there. We are saved by Jesus' sacrifice. And the evidence is an empty cross and an empty tomb. This morning, here's the question. Do you have this victory? Can you trust what will happen for you when this life ends? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Have you received his salvation? Are you covered by his sacrifice? Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. Jesus is the son of the living God. He is Lord and Savior. Prophecy proved it to be true. The miracles proved it to be true. And the resurrection is the ultimate evidence that it's true. And because Jesus died and rose again, we can know that there's a God. Because Jesus died and rose again, we can be forgiven. And because Jesus died and rose again, we can place our trust in him. And we know that there's more to life than just living and dying. There's meaning, there's value, and there's purpose. There is an adoption into the family of God and a home with God and with those in Christ when this life ends. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the Word of God be living and active in your life.